Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us back in the studio or whether you're listening to the audio. We're so glad to be back in the book of 2 Corinthians today. We're looking at chapter 5. But I do want to recall here a little bit. So Paul, up to this point, has kind of talked to the church in Corinth about not necessarily apologetics or convincing them about the legitimacy of the gospel or the resurrection or the cross, but he's kind of just talking to them about Christian living, about what it looks like in a culture where they're kind of drugged down by um, by the influences around them. And so this is, uh, you kind of gave the picture of like Las Vegas and Corinth and like what happens in Corinth and what happens in Las Vegas stays there. And so Paul... It's, it's just going to be a continual reminder here again in chapter five that how we live our life isn't just um, impacting those around us, even though it is right now on earth, but this is forever. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, our relationship with the eternal God that begins now that goes forever. So we're going to jump in to chapter five. Yeah. Verse one, it says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house that's in heaven, that's not built by human hands. Right. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groaned and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, Mm -hmm. so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, Mm -hmm. who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so it's not unusual for people back in the ancient times to refer to the body and life after death as a tent. There was this belief that when somebody died, they would be yeah. almost like floating aimlessly through the air right. and you would live this pain-free, trouble-free life. Mm-hmm. And so here, like he's saying, well, one, when you go back to the Christianity and the gospel, there are eternal promises that God's given which is why he keeps alluding to like a heavenly dwelling and being clothed right. with a new set of clothes. And so when he when he says this, you know what? Yeah, there is going to be a, eventually a point in time where you will have a pain-free, trouble-free life. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be floating around aimlessly. You're going to be living into what God has promised. In verse 4, it's almost yeah. like, hey, lean in. Wait for this. Get yeah. excited about this. This is a really, really good thing. And he said, just to cap it off, just to make sure that you are always, you always have this assurance that what God has said is true, he's given you the Holy Spirit. Right. That in verse 5 says is like a sign, a seal, a deposit guaranteeing what God has said. This is actually causing a memory in me. I remember when a uh, pastor and Uncle Kevin was speaking about this, and he was talking about how it used to be an ancient um, Christian belief that really what would happen was your soul would just be there for, for a couple like of days, maybe two or three days. Yeah. And then someone would come, and that someone had to know the way to get to the Father's house. Yeah. And so it's interesting because a lot of that language sounds like Jesus. You know, he's the only one that has mm-hmm. ascended that has descended and ascended and come back and is coming back again to get us. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting piece of the culture to be reminded of. I like what he says in verse six and seven, because he's saying there because of this, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we live by faith and not by sight. So we walk in a way that is shaped by what God has revealed and not by what we see. And that's so huge for hmm. us today because what we see is so fleeting and so temporary and so, um, ever changing. 
it's so it's constantly like, changing always and so there's sometimes that's that's really that can be a lot of things a depleting depressing where we look around and we just see constant pain and shifting and change and paul is saying this isn't who our god is this isn't what um when we are with him in our tertiary bodies forever that's not what it's going to be like and so we actually live by that truth we live by that faith and remembering and knowing and that's been a call all the way back mm -hmm. to you know abraham when yeah. the Lord called him and he responded in faith and the Lord gave him the faith to respond. And, and so we remember that, that we can use our abilities the best that we can, but we don't rely on anything, whether our, it's our abilities or the things that we have. But really, um, this kind of comes back to also the message and the truth and the, and the strength of grace mm -hmm. that we've been given, that it's, that, it's, that it's all the Lord. And so we look to that and we look to him. And, and what we see here is ever-changing and inconsistent. Like, hey, today yeah. this fad is hip. Then we're going to find out Cold plunge. that was wrong when right. you do something over here. Totally. Yeah. Cold plunge, frozen baths and ice baths, and coffee is good. It cures yeah. cancer. No, coffee gives you dementia. Coffee gives you big muscles. I don't know. There's always some different thing, especially like you know. the old Reader's Digest. I remember my parents would get those. Yes. I would read and be like, chicken noodle soup does what for you? And then like two <laughs> years later, it says the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. But the, what we have is hope and when we're Christians is like the, there is a future day where we will have great clarity and yeah. what you see is what will be. Right. And that's what he gets at next. He said, we're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Meaning if I die, that's okay. We must make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or we're away from it. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good and bad. So verse 8 is alluding to the fact yeah. that one day we're going to have 20-20 vision, clear, yeah. transparency. <laughs> like we see and go, oh yeah, this is what's up. This is real, mm -hmm. right? And, and not only that, he's like, we're going to glorify God and it's our goal to please him. Now, yeah. some people will say, with some kind of egomaniac God is calling us to be servants and we have to please me, please me, please me. Like that sounds terrible. But when you think about God and this within the context of the Bible, you and I are called to a love relationship. So I want yeah. you to think about the person you love most in this whole world, right? So I'll bring up Bobby as an example. It's my joy and pleasure to please her. There are things, whether it's a little gifts or acts of service around the house or snacks. We got we got baby number six on the way, and so like there are times <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think Bobby'd really appreciate this right now. Yeah, and you, you know, have it was peanut like, butter banana toast <laughs> with with a little bit of honey drizzled on top of that. I might add. I know. I was like, oh, I was like, oh Bobby's this? gonna love this. She told me, read my mind, and I was like, oh, this sound she'll like this. That's um, funny. You're funny. That's not a like. Oh, I have to do this for Bobby. Uh. It's like, I love her. So if I get to do something that will please her and make her happy, I'm going to do that. I'm going to jump to an instant. Yeah. And same is true with God. When yeah. we get an opportunity to love him and love other people, it's actually a great joy. Mm -hmm. And then verse 10 is something serious. And please note that he's, he's writing to Christians right now. So there is a mm -hmm. judgment for everybody. God's yeah. not a universalist and that everybody gets to go to heaven. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And what he's saying here is one day you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to be in heaven. You're going to be in the presence yeah. of God. You're not going to hell. And there is still going to be some kind of evaluation of your life and our life and yeah. say, how did you live with what I gave you? Yeah. And the Bible seems to imply there will be some kind mm -hmm. of rewards and incentives 
Those don't save us, but there are going to be blessings from God given to people who truly lived out Mm -hmm. what God called us to live. And so, all right, God, it's like Jesus has that that parable of the the talents. talents. You know, three servants were given like one talent, three talents, and five talents, or one, five, and ten, or whatever. And some of them use their talents to uh, grow their influence and Mm -hmm. multiply and have there be more fruit to their life and their ministry, where one just took it dug a hole and sat on it basically and God called wicked and evil because we are given this responsibility to go and tell people about Jesus and use the again the resources the gifts the relationships the skills God's given us to love and bless other people and then he kind of transitions I'll pass it to you now to this talk of reconciliation and Mm -hmm. actually there's not many times that this is talked about in the New Testament sure yeah let's read it this is verse 11 since then we know what it is to fear the Lord We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your Mm. conscience. And so I actually really love this distinction where Paul's saying it's actually unto the Lord that we're trying to Mm. uh, persuade, please convince other people, because we all the time get it flipped around, where we're trying to please and convince and and, um, in, uh, what's the word, please other people. Because we're trying to please other people, <laughs> not unto the Lord, but actually because we want to convince them because of our own motives or because of what what's going on yeah, in our I own lives. Yeah, I want to belong or I'm yes. cool. I want to be liked. And Paul's saying yeah. it's actually the complete opposite of that. It's because we're in right standing with the Lord and we have comfort and reassurance and we have strength and confidence and we're convinced of this message that we stand before you know these other people. We convince and we mm-hmm. when we debate and we try to lure them. Really, like what what can that's the picture that I have in my head is what do we have, What whether it's God-given or our material possessions, or what can we do to help these people understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it all. They they have a sin problem, that, they, that they're not in right standing with the holy God. And this ver- these verses are calling back to the judgment that you were just talking about, saying you want to be. We need to be in right standing before God. And so there's this kind of like, um, we're actually unable, hmm. we are unable to love people right in front of us if we are not remembering that we're loved and, and receiving the love of God because we will always default to pleasing and it really setting up idols for who these people are, whether it's in hmm. ministry, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace. Yeah. And so I like this call where Paul's just reminding us that, hey, it actually begins with us uh, fearing the Lord and being in right standing with him. And then we go out from that place to minister. In John 13, verse 34 through 35, this is what Jesus says about the same topic. Right. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so what what he's getting at here is you have to recalibrate your life and your focus. You have to Mm. look at how am I going through my Monday to Sunday and how can I make this God-oriented and Mm others-oriented? Because if it's just me-oriented, then I'm missing it. I'm missing what God's called me to do. And by our love, I need to die to what, you know, might be natural or fleshly. Mm-hmm. unhelpful mm-hmm. and say, God, would you resurrect the, the Christ likeness in me? Yeah. So as I love and interact with other people, yeah. verse 15, he says, he died for all so that we live should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again. Right. That's what he's getting at. I love that. And, and I love where it goes to in the conclusion of this chapter, because it's essentially saying like, don't 
now use what you have in Christ and view other people like that. View other, view the world like that. That's what verse 16 says. For So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Mm. Verse 17, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, they're a new creation. This is all from God who reconciled us to himself. And mm. so when we understand that God from the beginning, it's so helpful to know that we are not friends of God. We are not friends of God in our sin. We are enemies. Yeah. And so this ministry of reconciliation, this has been started, this is sustained, and this will forever continue because of who God is, because yeah. of what he's done. And he'll complete it. And we just get to yeah. be a part of it. Yeah. And so Paul's saying, use that viewpoint. Use that view. And, and don't look at your marriage as a gift for your happiness. Look at your marriage as a gift for covenant holiness mm-hmm. unto God. Don't look at your business or your vision for what could be with your um, with your career. Don't look at that as a way to climb the ladder and get up. Look at that with um, a viewpoint that you regard God and who he is and what he's done and how you can make this a holy offering to him. So really all, all of our, our heart and all of what we see in our brain has been transformed into being a new creation mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done and, and who he is. And so now that's how we look at the world. And that's what yeah. really, when you continue to the end of the chapter, the language continues to change. And he uses, you know, he kind of goes from new creation to ambassador. And the reason why he's saying, now you are my rep- representatives mm-hmm. on earth. And just know that God yes. is not calling you to circle the wagons with people who look like you yep. and think like you and act like you. Mm-hmm. That is, oftentimes is called a cult. He's, he's like, what he wants is for you to do what Jesus did yeah. and what Paul's doing and what Peter and everybody else in the Bible has done that's followed Jesus. And you love people who are hard to love. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with them. Yeah. But as you navigate life in the grocery store and at work and within mm-hmm. your own extended family, find ways to love and bless and speak of Jesus to people that are really hard to love. Yeah. Because you're an ambassador. Yeah. You're not called to go sit in the corner with your best friends and stay there and sing kumbaya the rest of your life. Verses 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Yeah. God is making his appeal through you. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because mm-hmm. again, here's our reminder. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. Yeah. And so as we pursue gospel relationships, just know that it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. Yeah. Um, Paul's bearing the marks of Christ. And while you and I might not have holes in our hands and our feet and our side like Jesus, over time, when you follow Jesus, you will bear marks in terms of people ridiculing you, betraying you, speaking badly of you. And these are the people that we're called to love. And so just a couple of questions but why, before we wrap up. Yeah. One, um, to what extent are you a people pleaser? And are you fearing God or are you fearing man? Like, where are you at here? Yeah. If we look at the people through the lens of the gospel, then, especially the people who are hard to love, how does that change the way you look at them? Yeah. How does that change the way you right. relate to them? <laughs> and is there anybody in your life that you need to reconcile with, with the hopes of allowing them to be reconciled to God? Hmm. So, Second Corinthians chapter 5, um, thanks for tuning in and joining us, and we'll have more of Second Corinthians to come in the days ahead. God bless you. Bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.